just wanted to show you that. So that really inspired me. I've been thinking about Luke chapter 2 and many other verses about Jesus coming to a city called Bethlehem. And it made me think about this, the key to a city. The key to a city. One of the other things the Lord spoke to me when he said, Tommy, I want you to be a giver. He began to speak to me out of Matthew chapter 25. When I was hungry, when I was thirsty, when I was naked, when I was sick, when I was in prison. And the Lord says, when you've done it to me, you've done it to the least of these. Now, none of those things, none of those things I just shared with you are real glamorous things. How many of you know about that? That's not all glamour. That's not in front of the camera type stuff. But I want you to know that it gets the heart of God. And that's how you begin to give to a city. And in all those areas, we've been able, as a church, been able to touch the community in those ways. Listen, as I'm talking about this, please, for those who know me, I believe you know my heart. For those who may not know me as well, what I'm trying to tell you is is that this is a church situation. This is a church getting together and accomplishing things. Uh, Living Bethlehem. How many of you know that, yeah, I was Dr. Luke these last couple of years, and I'd done it many years before, and Dr. Luke narrates. But how many of you know that there's, just like I was talking about, there's West behind the lights, there's uh, uh, and sound, and there's other people behind lights, and there's people behind the sets getting all the costumes together. There's people getting all the kids together, all the shepherds, and all the, how about the goat lady with all the animals that has to control the, the little horse as Mary rides on the horse and doesn't buck her off? How many of you know what I mean? And all the animals, and all the things that go with that, the people fixing hot chocolate and cookies, and all the people that are handing out handouts. That, I mean, on and on and on. The list is so long. Y'all understand what I'm saying? Those who have helped out, Patricia, you know, Brother Lamar was there and he's going, man, this is a big deal. He was out there helping. He's like, this is a big deal. I said, yeah, it's getting even bigger because we're we're even doing more. Uh, Picking up all the landscaping. How about all the sets and all the props, all the hay? But this year we had to put about 15 bales of hay on the ground. Somebody had to rake all that up. How many of you know what I'm talking about? 15 bales of hay, if you've ever seen that all broken out on the ground. See, that all requires faithfulness. Are y'all with me here today? That requires faithfulness. God's very nature is to be faithful. How many of you are glad that Jesus was faithful to go to the cross for you and for me? See, if he was halfway going to the cross, he goes, you know what, I'm I'm tired of this. And he takes off back to heaven. No, but his faithfulness and commitment is what carried him through all the way to the cross and to the resurrection. So let's look at that. What I want to do is give you a few verses, and then let's, let's come together on this. You ready? So look at Psalm 36.5. Stay right there at Isaiah 11. Just make note of these verses. It says, Your loving kindness, O Lord, in fact, this is a song, right, extends to the heavens. Your faithfulness reaches to the sky. Look at this. Lord, your loving kindness, O Lord, extends all the way to the heavens. Your faithfulness reaches to the skies and beyond. You know, there are parts of the country where you could almost, it seems like you could reach out. Like Montana, they call it big sky, right? If you've ever been to Montana, you know why. The first time Lisa and I were in Montana, we looked up in the sky and went, now we know why they call it big sky. It's almost like you could just grab your hand out and grab the sky. you, You feel that close. It's so vast. It's so big. It's so amazing. And so God says that his loving kindness extends to the heavens, right? But his faithfulness reaches to the skies. 
Look at this, Psalm 89.5. And I've got a few psalms here. The reason we're reading a lot of the psalms is because the writer of the psalms knew how to declare who God was and how he was. Look at this. The heavens will praise your wonders, O Lord, your faithfulness also in the assembly of the holy ones. Or some translations, King James, say the saints. The word saints there just means holy ones. By the way, if you're a born-again Christian, you're a saint of God. That's what the Bible says. So he says this. He says, the heavens will praise your wonders, O Lord, your faithfulness in the assembly of the believers. Can we say it that way now? New Testament. In the assembly of the believers, God is showing his faithfulness. Psalm 92.2, look at that. We are called to declare your loving kindness in the morning and your faithfulness by night. Let me tell you something about this verse. We declare his loving kindness in the morning. How many of you know that when you wake up, you've got to know that God is there to express his loving kindness to you? Every morning that we get up, how many of you know that if, if God was there with a big stick, you probably wouldn't want to wake up. You wouldn't look forward to getting up. But because he's there waiting for you with his loving kindness, we get up and we can say, Lord, thank you that I know today you will extend your loving kindness to me. Loving kindness. Not just kindness, but loving kindness. You see, it's an active word. It's just not about knowing. It's about God extending. Is that making any sense to you today? In other words, it's, it's not enough to just say that he is kind to us. He wants to express his loving kindness. You know, now one of the movies that we grew up that were one of the biggest lies in movies before we were saved was, uh, was Love Story. Remember that? You know, the In the Snow and everything, Ryan O'Neill and Ali McGraw and all of that. There, y'all going, what, are you, what movie are you talking about? Well, that's an old one. Well, they, they said this thing. It was one of these deals. Love means never having to say you're sorry. And everybody that re- has a real life understands that that's crazy. You need to say you're sorry. You need to confess that. You need to get that. And you need to, you know, be able to ex- extend that. You see, the point was, is that what they missed was, was they were missing the God connection in confessing that you're sorry. I always tell people, really and truthfully, you shouldn't apologize. Tell people you're sorry. There's much more conviction comes when you say, I am sorry. That takes much more humility than to just say, I apologize. Because when you say, I'm sorry, the sorry that you're sorry for has connection to something specific. It's about specificity. It's about going right to the, to the heart of the matter. And God says this. He declares his loving kindness in the morning. He extends that in the morning. He makes it specific that he says, I will extend actively my loving kindness to you. You know what I love is that Lisa Wakeham, she goes, man, I had the greatest dream. So you can wake up with going right from there. I mean, second one, you're going, wow, God has extended his loving kindness to me and his faithfulness by night. So how many of you know that if you've had a rough day, anybody with me, that in the evening you go, God, when everything else is not faithful, you're faithful. You see, his loving kindness is in the morning. It gets you up and gets you going. And at the end of the day, whether it's going great or not so great, he's there to say, I'm faithful. In the evening, let me tell you something. How many of you with a show of hands would say that the enemy strategically attacks you most in your, in your mind in the night? Look around, look at the hands. Lift your hands and look around. 
See, there's a reason for that. Okay, thank you for doing that. There's a reason for that. Because in that darkness, you feel secluded. You feel alone. You know, in the daytime, we're all here together today. We can, we can sing. We can do some things. We can love God together. But in the night when you're alone, you feel alone. And without God's loving kindness and his faithfulness extended, you go, man, I can go to sleep. I can close my eyes. I know that when I wake up, his loving kindness is waiting for me. You see? And his faithfulness is allowing me to close my eyes and go, Lord, thank you for today, regardless of what kind of day that you had. You ready? Can we look at Psalm 119? Look at this. Psalm 11990. Your faithfulness continues throughout all generations. Not some generations, not just a couple of special generations, but for all generations. God says that his faithfulness continues to all generations. You know what I love about that? Is that when they wrote this, many years ago, that it's still true today because guess what? I get to be all generations. How many of you know that you're part of a generation? And we're not picking on any generations today. That's not what that's about. It's about God saying, I extend my faithfulness to every generation. In other words, every generation, whether you feel privileged or not privileged or acknowledged or not acknowledged, God says, I extend who I am to every generation. There is no generation that doesn't have to go without knowing me. Let me say it a different way. Every generation has the ability to embrace and know God personally. Every generation. Why do you think we have children's ministry? It's good to have Stephanie and, and Sam and, uh, and Dustin in faith here in the service as uh, Pastor Travis and them are over there because they're in the service. Why do we do that? Because we want them to get Sunday mornings not always be on the other side. And we go back and forth so that they can come and receive and be in the, in, in the main sanctuary and receive on and off like that. We do that strategically. Why? Because they want to let God extend his faithfulness to them right here in the services. Is that awesome? Look at this. Isaiah 11. Y'all ready? Let's look at Isaiah 11.5. It says, Righteousness will be the belt about his loins and faithfulness the belt about his waist. Righteousness is the belt around his loins, and faithfulness is the belt around his waist. Now, I read this particular verse last week when we were together, and what I want to do today is I want to go ahead and, and I want to be able to read it to you, the first few verses. And there's a reason why I want to do that, because I want to extend to you what God is trying to say here in Isaiah chapter 11. Isaiah chapter 11 is one of those chapters that talks about Jesus coming, the Messiah coming. So let me go ahead and read verse 1 to you. It says, a shoot will spring forth from the stem of Jesse. When it says a twig or a stem will spring forth from the stem of Jesse, and the branch from his roots will bear fruit. That word branch means a descendant. You see, Jesse was King David's father, and Jesus came through that line. In the Bible already, in Isaiah 11, is speaking to Jesus coming in that lineage. This is what is incredibly important. Look at verse 2. It says, And the Spirit of the Lord will rest on him. How many of you know that Jesus stood up and said, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me to preach the gospel, the good news, the acceptable year of the Lord. The downtrodden will be lifted up. The, those that have been cast down will be encouraged and strengthened and to preach the, the, the salvation of the Lord. 
And Jesus said, the anointing of the Lord is upon me. And you see, he declared that in the sanctuary when he said that. Let's look at verse 2. He says, not only is the Spirit of the Lord on him, but the Spirit of wisdom and understanding, the Spirit of counsel and strength, the Spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. You see, Jesus had upon him not only the anointing of the Lord when he came, God was saying he is going to be able to touch your life with wisdom and understanding and counsel and with knowledge. This is the Christ that is coming. This is the one that is going to be faithful that we talked about earlier. He is the one that is faithfully going to deliver that. Look at verse 3. And he will delight in the fear of the Lord, and he will not judge by what his eyes see, nor makes a decision by what his ears hear, but with righteousness he will judge the poor. In other words, he will judge every situation with righteousness. It's not only what he sees or what he hears, but it's what is right and what is wrong. You see, Jesus comes to judge. The word righteously there means with moral reverence with moral reverence. There was a time in our courts when, you know, as you know, the, uh, in our courts it has the, the lady with the scales is blindfolded, right? So that justice is blindfolded. It's what is right is right. And I remember going through life trying to tip the scales with my actions. How many of you know you can never tip the scales with your actions? Well, you should know. You can't ever do enough good things to tip the scale in life. Only Jesus can do that in our life. And judges used to say that the law, they used to operate the law of the land with a moral reverence for the law of the land. Now, the truth is, is that it's anything and everything that we can do to either make it not true or get around it. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Everything we do is to get around that. To think that um, you know, theft and those kind of things are so rampant I mean, you know, I grew up, we didn't lock our doors. When I grew up, all the windows were open. That was 24-7 unless it rained and you put them down. But that's the kind of culture I grew up in. You went from neighbor to neighbor. You could hear everything down the road, all the, all the neighborhoods. But now, any, anybody here leaving your doors unlocked all night, every night? You're locking up your storage buildings. You're locking your cars. We have alarms. We have all the things in place to try to protect ourselves all the money. What if we could have all the money that is spent on security, if we could have that back floating around, rather than spending it on security? Just think what that would be like. Jesus says that I came to judge with a righteous judgment, and that's what he did when he came. So now let's jump to the New Testament. Matthew twenty-five twenty-one. His master said, well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. How many of you know that you can't be faithful in big things unless you're faithful in little things? How many of you know that you can't have $10 without getting the first $1? Everything comes in a sequence. And you see, God says, I want to try your hearts, and I want to allow you to be faithful in little things so that you can be faithful in bigger things. And you see, that's how we try to do it with young people all the time. We try to give them little things at a time to be faithful with and see what they will do with that. How will they be faithful? How will they carry through? How will they follow through? And then as they follow through on that, they learn a pattern of how to get things done. I was reading on a, a Facebook post that there should be, 
in high school, there should be a class, a mandatory class. This is what they had, and I couldn't help but laugh. A mandatory class, Living 101, how to balance a, a bank account, and the list was long. See, those were things that we took for granted. You had to learn those things growing up. It was just part of life. I mean, you learned how to check the air in the tires. You learned how to change a tire, check the oil, all of those things. Uh, Tommy Jr. is in Nashville right now. He used uh, Lisa's car to go. Well, before he took the car, I said, Lisa, can't leave until I check things. So what did I do? I opened the hood, and I checked the engine oil. But I didn't stop there. I checked the water in the radiator, and I checked the brake fluid in the brake master cylinder. And I checked the water in the washer fluid. And I checked the transmission fluid in the automatic transmission. And I checked the air pressure in all the tires. Are you getting what I'm saying? You go, Tommy, wow. That was like, that, you do that in your sleep. But in today's world, that doesn't get done in your sleep. We pay somebody $50 an hour to do that many times because we won't do it or don't know how to do it. You see, if we're not faithful in little things, we'll never learn how to do bigger things. We've got to learn how to do the small things. Wes, guess what? Running an iPad and running sound, you know, the, at stuff, those are things that are going to grow you into big things. Now, I don't know what your life is, Wes, in the realm of sound and audio and all kinds of things, but you never know. A young man that, that I've known for many, many years started out working consoles just like that, sound consoles and digital boards, and they weren't digital when they started. And he started all those things, and then he began and got bigger and in bigger church and that kind of thing. I mean, this was about six or seven years ago. Uh, I remember when, they, uh, when Joel Osteen, when they, when they got the compact center, um, their console, you press a button, the soundboard, it goes, doop, doop, and it spreads open and wings out, and, you know, it's all this stuff, right? Well, guess what? He knows how to work all that, and so guess where he worked? But he used to run sound at the compact center for Joel Osteen. Now, that did, he didn't start there. He did not start there. He had to start in the little things and get an aptitude for it and go, I love this. I want to grab hold of it and began to be faithful. And it started right here in, in a church just like this. Now, he says, well done, good and faithful. See, you can be good at something, but if you're not faithful, you're not going to accomplish what you need to accomplish. There are many people who are good at many things who don't find faithfulness part of their life. And guess what? They don't get to accomplish the things that they could accomplish. Anybody, don't lift your hand. You don't have to moan or groan or whatever. How many of you know people with incredible talent but have not really put it to good use? Just think right now to yourself. And, and maybe that could be yourself. I mean, I know for myself, when I, before I knew the Lord, I was, I was just floundering like crazy. Didn't know anything in my life where I was going. That's why I was just looking for whatever anywhere. But when I came to meet the Lord, all of a sudden he began to put purpose and focus and direction. And then he took the talents and giftings that I had and he began to make something with it. I'm telling you, anything that I, of any value that I am, it's because of Jesus in my life. I'm telling you that right now. It's really true. Now I want to read Psalm 40 to you. It says, I have not hidden in the references, the psalmist is saying, I have not hidden from the congregation or from the people your righteousness within my heart. I have spoken of your faithfulness and of your salvation. I have not concealed your loving kindness and your truth from the great congregation. You see, this is why every one of us have a part to play in what God does. Let me go ahead and give you some definitions where it says the great congregation, from the great congregation. These are all meanings 
in the Hebrew for that word. And you see, the great thing about the word of God is, is it can speak right to who and where you are. Here's some definitions. It means to be abundant. In other words, the abundant congregation, the ranks of the congregation, the elders of the congregation, and the officers of the congregation. So when it says that I have not held back your righteousness that you have dropped in my heart, Lord, I have spoken of your faithfulness and of your salvation. I have not concealed or held back your loving kindness and your truth from the great congregation. Let's look at that. From the abundant, right? That's our, not only this congregation, but from the city. God wants us to all have those things, not only our congregation, but he wants us to deliver that to the city. I'm going to say it again. You see this right here? Now, I, I get to retain it, okay? But this is the churches. Do you understand what I'm saying? The church did this. The churches who declared the goodness of God throughout the city. This church declared every, every year when we walk across around the city and pray for our schools. Let me ask you, you know how many years we prayed for our schools for the gospel to open up and then all of a sudden schools started opening up? You see, it took faith to pray to believe in the schools. Pastor Travis was with, two weeks ago, he was at Southside High School speaking to the, uh, the students at Southside High School about the Lord. Now, he said the time frame was real short. He said I had to get a lot in in just a few minutes. But how many of you know what I'm talking about? That's because of saying, hey, we're going we're gonna to declare the gospel to the city. There's a number of families in here that have connected with Pastor Travis at Ernest Gallet and at the other schools. By the way, Miss uh, Shannon Crumblish, who is the, the choral or the choir director at Youngsville Middle, met with us this last Wednesday as we're going to have a, a Youngsville Middle concert here in January. And they're all excited about that. How many of you are excited about that? And so, again, when they come in here, she was, she was like kind of amazed. Well, why do you think we're inviting them so that they can come in here? Express the love of God to them. Everything that we do has to do with the gospel sharing and touching people's lives. How about the ranks, the leaders, not only in our church here, but how about the leaders in our cities? See, God wants to touch every leader in our city. When we were at, um, on Thursday night, and I'll just tell you this, it's funny, Marshall and I spoke this morning, but Marshall Cloto, Pastor Marshall, who's retired a year ago, he was there, and I, I looked, and I, I was wondering why he was, I mean, he can be there, but I was just like, hey, Marshall, we were just chit-chatting before, and he got up and began to speak, and this is what he did, he, and he did it publicly, so I can share it with you publicly. He looked at all the council he looked at Chief Boudreaux and Chief Fire Chief Verrett and the mayor, Mayor Ritter, and all of the, like I said, all of the council. And he said, I want you to know something that every Sunday morning my phone would ring. And if it didn't ring by a certain time, I was making a call to Tommy. And he said, this is what we did. We prayed for our churches. We prayed for our services. And then I, I was sitting there just watching Marshall. He looks over and his, Mark, huh? Big long finger. And he goes, and Mayor? We're praying for you and all of you every week we would pray for you. And you see, that's a declaration. That's the opportunity to once again just declare, guess what? We're petitioning the heavens for the leaders of our city. Is this making any sense to you this morning? You see, this is what it requires. This is what God wants us to be. And then it says the great congregation, the elders, not only our elders here in the church, but our mayor and our city council. And then, of course, our officers, our board and other leaders. 
How many of you know that in the, in the Bible, it's not about a, a, a position, but it's about walking through an office? You know, for me, I, I rarely or I usually don't go around saying, my name is Pastor Tommy Falk. I normally say my name is Tommy Falk. I'm the pastor at First Assembly. Because one's a title and one's an office. And those are two very different things. One's a title, one's an office. Now, titles are okay, but what we want to do is know that we function in the office that God has called us to and to actually accomplish what God has called us to. So it could say, Dustin and Faith, right? And not to just pigeonhole you in children's ministry, right? I mean, you do a lot of things, but it can say that, and on the end of your name, boom, you know, children's ministers. You're not volunteers, you're ministers. Stephanie and Sam, you're not volunteers, you're ministers. And everyone else that put your hands to somewhere, you're ministers, every one of you, to the purpose of God. And so as we look at Psalm 40, look, I've not hidden. You know what? I want each and every one of us to be able to say that. Everywhere that I go, I've not hidden the faithfulness of God. I've not hidden the righteousness of God. I've not hidden the truth of who God is. And I want to express who God is in everything that we say and we do. Is that okay this morning? Is that all right? When Jesus came into Bethlehem, how many of you know that Jesus, for some reason, they weren't waiting for him to give him a key to the city? (laughs) But God said, you're going to go to Bethlehem. But the Magi came and gave him gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. Shepherds came. You see, God always extends an invitation. How many of you recognize that? That he always extends an invitation. Even the animals were blessed in that manger Isn't that amazing? Even animals were blessed in that manger. How many of you can't wait to get to heaven and see the manger scene? How many of you want to see that? How many of you want to see when Joseph, it says, and he knew a place where he could get room for the inn, and he walks up, and there's no room for him? You know, one of the things that that I opened, Mark and them were there, when I opened in prayer, I said, I'd I'd like to just share just a moment before we pray for the meeting, which they do right at, that's the opening thing that happens. And I said, you know, In the Bible, in Luke chapter 2 and in Matthew chapter 2, it says that the Christ child came. Mary was great with child, and I I love this. I tell you what, I have the greatest respect for Mary because how many great with child ready to have a baby gets on a donkey and travels for for days? And every lady in here went, no way, (laughs) okay? They get there, and they go to the place to find an inn, and there's no room for them in the inn. And it says they go in the manger. But I told them, and I really believe this, that I think Youngsville has made room for Jesus. Matt Romero said, you know what, Tommy, you and your church were the first ones to respond to putting God we trust on the wall. If you go in City Hall and you find a God we trust with a a resolution on a marble plaque that's underneath that, we jumped up and said, we were were there, we're going to donate, we're going to help it happen. And some other pastors came with us on that and got it done. You see, that's kind of putting your actions. We, well, a lot of times we say put your money where your mouth is, but it's put your action where your mouth is, right? It's always said this. When, when it's all said and done, there's more said than done. We want to make sure that there's more done than said. We want to get it done. How many of you want to be a part of getting it done here in the city? Come on, can you give God praise this morning?